0: Your ears do not deceive you. You You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview.
1: This is Byron O'Neill for Comic Book Yeti, sitting down today with Shay Fontana, the writer for the new boombox all-ages comic limited series, Getting Dizzy. Welcome, Shay, and thanks for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: You've described Getting Dizzy as where friendship, superpowers, and skating collide. For those out there who haven't read it yet, why don't you tell us a little bit about the characters?
0: Yeah, so Getting Dizzy is a all-ages book. Uh, it stars our 15-year-old Dizzy, who wants to be great. She is really obsessed with the idea of just being incredible at something, but she has not yet had any success with that until in the first chapter of this book. She stumbles upon some superhero activity, as one might do in their of daily life and she is granted the powers of the Burb Defender. So in our world, the Burb Defender has this incredible superpower that's all linked to roller skates. And with these super powered roller skates, Dizzy is now going to be taking on these little kind of alien monsters called negatrixes which are kind of invading her town. So as she gets into the skate scene and starts going to the skate park where she's learning how to skate, she finds this kind of group of friends with Scarlett, Ave, Peyton, and a coach character named Chipper. So along with these new friends that she finds, she's going to take on these negatrixes and skate her way to victory.
1: So having grown up myself in like the infancy era, really, of the skateboarding culture, this feels a little bit autobiographical. So were you a skate kid growing up yourself?
0: I was not a skate kid growing up, but I did start to do roller derby as an adult. And that really, that experience and the bond that I had with the teammates on our roller derby team was very much the impetus of this book and where it all came from. And the kind of what I really loved about roller derby, I was not a skater at all going into it. So I was the Bambi, like the first time putting skates on, just falling all over the place in the first uh, practice, but it really was that encouragement from everyone around you and the ability to look back kind of week to week on, hey, I can make it around the track now. Hey, look what I'm doing this day. Uh, it's just the incredible like sense of accomplishment with each progress. And that's really reflected in the character of Dizzy and how she gains her self-confidence, not just in her accomplishments to actually you know loving herself beyond her accomplishments throughout the story.
1: So this is absolutely like second nature to you then.
0: <laughs> it is. Um, I, I really relate to Dizzy in that way. Um, in the first chapter you see like all the things that she's tried in her life to be this kind of find this greatness and Absolutely. As a kid, I was the person that was just, I was a hobby collector. And I still am in a way, but like I would get really obsessed with an idea for a little while. And then I'm like, well, where what's what's gonna happen now? What's what's this leading to? I'm not perfect at it after five lessons or whatever. Um, and that just sense of frustration. But then when you find something that you really love, like I found with roller derby and Dizzy is finding with skating, it's the even when it is frustrating, it's still rewarding.
1: Learning to skate on a board on roller skates is rough enough, but you've compounded it in the story by adding in the principal bad guys or the, the negatrixes or these little black imp-like looking creatures that ride around on people's shoulders and tell them to do and say nasty things. And monsters are always fun in the story. So where did you come up with the idea for the negatrixes?
0: Yeah, the negatrix is really a, a sort of metaphor for that inner voice that's always telling you like, oh, you're not good enough or kind of planting those seeds of jealousy and discontent with both yourself and your friends. Uh, so that was the idea there and really finding kind of, it's a pretty, you know, all around sort of a silly take on this. It's just all about having fun and not getting, you know, too serious, but having those more You know, universal themes about self acceptance and self love that we get throughout the adventure. And these negatrixes really are that kind of embodiment of those little demons all of us have on our shoulder telling us that maybe we're not good enough.
1: Sure. I mean, I have a teenager myself, so I understand the emotional roller coasters of that age and the processing of all these gamut of different emotions that kids go through. So, how do those negatrixes serve as a vehicle for expressing your feelings?
0: Yeah, so in this story, it's really about Dizzy learning to overcome that negativity that's infested her life and those around her. So it's it's kind of that fun little uh, monstery thing um, where you know, as teenagers, I remember this. You know, even now in my life, just kind of that constant, the constant sort of things that you're overcoming, and everything almost feels impossible, but. With a a little help from her friends, Dizzy is able to do it.
1: Well, Dizzy obviously isn't alone in her adventures. You've already alluded to kind of her friends, her team. She's got her Mr. Miyagi, if you will, with Chipper and her friends, Scarlet, Peyton, and Abe. So a lot of your world building is, is kind of really in the connections of the characters. So give me a little bit of background on building the superhero team.
0: Yeah, we wanted to bring a really diverse superhero team to this book. Um, we have Scarlet, who's Japanese, American, uh, Ave is non-binary and black, and uh, Peyton has a limb difference. So we wanted to make each of these characters in their own way very diverse and something that you know, their own diversity is expressed throughout the series and bringing them together as a stronger team. So this it's really fun to come up with these characters. Um, Art. My co creator Celia on the book, who does all the art, has just brought so much to each of the characters as they've, you know, really brought them to life with both the designs and just the expressiveness, the different body postures and body language that she's brought to each of the characters is incredible.
1: Well, I grew up reading comics in the 80s, which kind of defines me, I suppose, and an era in how old I am. Um, representation looked very different than in comics. And I love the diversity of the characters in Dizzy. So how important is it to you as an author to create a sense of authentic diversity in your work?
0: I think through everything I've done, diversity is always at the forefront. Um, Even, you know, initially with like DC Superhero Girls and some of the other projects that I've been involved with, At first, it was just bringing more representation of girls to comics, so that was a big thing initially, but as you get more into it, you just see that there's so much opportunity and so much that's been missing from the regular pantheon, so I, you know, think it's so incredibly important for kids and adults and everybody to be able to see themselves in the stories that they read, but not only for us to see ourselves in the stories is for people that are unlike us to see char- different sorts of characters in the stories. It's, you know, incredible how often it's like it's so great for girls to have characters or stories and comics um, with girls the same characters, but that's equally important for boys to be reading uh, characters um, who are different from them and not what you see in every book. So I think that just across the the, every story I tell, I really want to bring that diversity to the forefront and have those authentic voices and make sure that I'm partnering with artists and colorists and letters and editors that bring those authentic voices as well.
1: Well, let's talk about the rest of your team. So if I understand correctly, this is the first time you and Celia have worked together. Is that right?
0: It is. So Celia has done another book with Boom uh, called Juliet Takes a Breath, which is absolutely gorgeous and they just brought so much incredible art and emotion to that book so when i came on board with getting dizzy and the editor and i were looking for an artist to partner with the editor brought celia forth and i was like looking at the pages and you know absolutely amazing so i was so happy to be able to partner with them on this project we also have uh natalia and gloria art on colors which have been really just so exciting. As you get into the book, you'll realize like this kind of rainbow color palette is really important to how we tell the story. And then there's a lot of um, kind of flashbacks and daydream sequences that we do with a totally different color palette. So it's just been so great to see how the colorists have brought that to life and really been so evocative with the colors and made those colors just stand out and tell the story as well.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love the the visuals in the the book. It is so fresh and current and vibrant. I almost feel too old to read it, honestly. (laughs) Um, Having a background in in animated TV, it, it feels at home kind of in that pocket. Is that something you were looking for with an artist or trying to put together the creative team? You know,
0: I don't think I was thinking of that specifically, but I do a lot of animation, so I'm sure that's within my style wheelhouse. And it does have a kind of more animated uh, quality to it. The just, the, It's just so, so fun. It really has that vibrancy that pops off the page.
1: So who's the, the specific target audience for the book? Uh,
0: we call it middle grade. So I would say, you know, I'm going to be one of those per- people that are like, it's for everybody. <laughs> but, sure, sure. but specifically, you know, the the fifth, sixth, seventh graders in your life, uh, I think, really have a lot that they could glom onto with this book.
1: Well, this is a, a four-issue miniseries. Will be, we we'll be seeing more of Dizzy and the Crew?
0: I hope so. We will be releasing the collection this summer. And after that, I hope we have another Dizzy adventure.
1: Well, you're no stranger to writing for a younger audience. Did you start out wanting to write all-ages material? or?
0: Yes, absolutely. So, well, I guess that's that's sort of a a lie. Let me let me go back a little bit further. Okay. Um, I have wanted to be a writer ever since I was a kid, you know, in fourth grade. I was that was my hobby. I just wanted to write all the time. And then as I grew up and was in high school and started college. Uh, I came from a very small town, so in my world, it seemed the only people that I knew were writers wrote for the local newspaper, which seemed like a job that maybe I could do. So initially, when I started at college, I was thought I would be going into journalism as the, that's what smart writer people do. <laughs> of course, of course but very quickly into that after my classes I would go home and I would watch a lot of Spongebob and like the original adult swim block and then I realized wait a minute cartoons is what I really love maybe I could write those so um, in university I did change my focus to animation and from there I've been really writing all ages kids material since I think my sensibility is just kind of in that silly fun era where I do not even know how people write things that are super dramatic. I can't fathom thinking of those kind of stories. So that's just where my brain is at.
1: So what's the the secret sauce for hitting the right chord for an all ages book?
0: Oh, goodness. Um, I think really it's just kind of remembering what it is like to be a kid or a teenager. I think having those... uh, those moments where you can really tap into the pure emotion of being you know 15 and taking that seriously. I think a lot of where people can go wrong when they're trying to write young characters is coming at it from an adult lens of like, well, this is a silly little problem it's not your mortgage payment kid like and their their stories kind of end up being about, you know, you just need to kind of get over it, or, you know, that's not really what you need to be focusing on. Um, And I think what really matters when you're trying to connect with the all ages audience and being able to accurately reflect the experience is taking those emotions seriously, even though we do it in a very silly and fun way. It is, you know, honoring and respecting kids and teenagers where they are.
1: Well, kids are, and teenagers for that matter, are notoriously brutal, honest critics, and you've been wildly successful with those age groups. So do you have a test panel of kids in, you know, in your family or do you run a, that you run these ideas by, or are you just a kid at heart yourself?
0: You know, I really don't run them by anyone. <laughs> it's, I think it's really, you know, just having the stories that I want to tell and, And if you don't start from that place, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. So yeah, it's just the stories that I think are fun and funny and make me want to know more about the characters is where I start.
1: Well, you're an accomplished writer across different platforms, having worked in film, television, comics. What else have you been up to lately?
0: Oh, a lot. (laughs) Um, So I was the story editor, head writer, and developed a new series for Netflix called Action Pack, which premiered last month. So if you have, this one's for a bit younger kids, you know, I would say five, six, seven, eight-year-olds would be the target audience. And that is an original superhero series with four kids who are going to a superhero school. I'm also working on a new Monster High series that I'm show running with Nickelodeon that will be out later this year. And I have another graphic novel called Kinsey's Kingdom, which is also in that kind of middle grade sweet spot about a a teenage girl who with her family moves to this European country and takes over this castle that they're changing into a um, a resort for wealthy clientele. And then mysterious things start happening to Kinsey in this world. That will be out this summer as well.
1: Awesome, that sounds really cool. Well, on the Comic Book Yeti Discord server, there's a designated channel, channel, believe it or not, for cats. Um, I'm a dog person, so I have to take every opportunity I can to give dogs the spotlight. So tell me about Ziggy and Rizzo.
0: Um, I love this question. Ziggy, I've never been asked this question before, but there you go. Is, you know, my favorite question I've ever heard, uh, because also a dog person. Ziggy is my beagle. He is about four years old. He, like, I think just about any beagle, I would say the best word to describe him is a little bit obstinate. He is. He knows the commands. He's pretty well trained, but he's not terribly interested in doing what you tell him unless <laughs> there's a little treat in for it in it for him. Um, but he is the most incredibly soft, cuddly dog. He just wants to be on my lap all the time and is just this incredible little love bug. And his brother is Rizzo, who is some sort of terrier chihuahua something mix that is a he's a rescue dog um, who is just absolutely this little ball of energy and he wants to chase everything. so Rizzo is really protective. he's a very protective dog um, and he just is. Absolutely in love with Ziggy, and will like do all the little grooming rituals to Ziggy because I don't know <laughs> I think they're in love, um, but yeah, so Rizzo is about five now, we think, and they are just my my absolute loves of my life.
1: those breeds I, I we had a beagle mix, so and and a good friend with a chihuahua mix, so that that sounds like a handful you've got right there. <laughs>
0: It's a lot of energy through the day, So they definitely um keep me going on walks, which is important.
1: <laughs> well, I hope they make an appearance at some point in your comics writing, so.
0: I maybe maybe our um our beagle that we lost a few years ago um was actually the star of one of the DC superhero girls books before she passed so she had her own arc she her name was Moxie and she had a an adventure with crypto was in that book so that was a fun way to you know give her a legacy forever
1: well, my last question of the day, so Dizzy's seemingly favorite expression is hot cheese chips. So I, I need to know the story behind that.
0: <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> and you can't use an actual copyrighted name of a cheese chip in a, <laughs> so, so it's just hot cheese chips, which I think sounds even funnier.
1: Oh, it's great. I mean, the comedic element is on point. I love it. Well, Shay, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on.
0: Thank you, it's been really fun.
1: Well, Getting Dizzy issue one is out now on comic bookshelves and wherever you download your comics online. Um, what's the timetable with issue two right now?
0: Issue two and issue three are out as well. Oh, okay, okay. And issue four will be out this month and the collection will be out this summer.
1: All right, well, make sure to look for it. Um, I've caught up on it. It's a fantastic series. Um, on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti, this is Byron O'Neill. Thank you for joining us in The Cryptic Corner this evening. Take care, everybody. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of The Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner,
1: maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.